Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Today, we are talking with Valerie Wanamaker. She's an Enneagram enthusiast and has a deep appreciation for the wisdom it can provide on how we show up in love, work, and play. Valerie began studying the Enneagram in 2012, is an accredited professional with the International Enneagram Association, and is a certified teacher of the embodiment tradition. She teaches locally in Asheville, North Carolina. Ooh, she's my neighbor. And provides online offerings, including workshops, groups, and individual sessions. And y'all, welcome Valerie to the show. Welcome to the show, Valerie. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, I'm so excited. We're recording this virtually, but you're like right around the corner. Yes, I know. And Asheville's so small. It is. We like, it's crazy to, I have like we have hung out virtually twice for the summit and for the podcast. And not in person. Well, we we did in person one time, kind of. Kind of. Yeah, I think the first time we met maybe some years ago. But I think, too, since we've done virtual stuff, um, with the pandemic started shortly thereafter. So we wouldn't even have had an opportunity. Yeah, we're basically the same as everyone. Yeah. <laughs> this is a normal relationship. <laughs> um, so, Valerie, what is your rosebud and thorn today? Okay. So, um, I wanted to ask you, actually, would it be okay instead of like answering it directly if I, if I share a little bit of my process? Because I knew that this question was one that I was going to be asked and I, I had listened to some of your other podcasts and I also asked in advance. So I was like, what are you going to ask me? Um, but yeah, would it be okay if I share my process and then answer it? Perfect. Okay. Because I think this gives great insight into um, the six pattern and what it, what it looks and feels like to live with the six brain. So I, this morning was like, all right, Rosebud Thorn, what am I going to say? And I went through like a bunch of different options and was like, nope, that's dumb. Nope, too cliche. Nope, too serious. Nope, too much information. Nope, not enough information. Nope, not authentic enough. And like, just like went through and like redlined myself on everything (laughs) and was thinking about it way too much to the point where I eventually was going to like ask my partner, be like, hey, like, what do you think my rosebud and thorn is right now? And I was like, no, you can figure this out on your own. You got it. And so eventually I was like, you know what? We're just going to stop. Like, like my mind just like kind of clicked into this like, rumination pattern like try to find like the perfect right thing to say and um eventually I was like all right we're we're gonna stop this we'll just see what comes up during so I did not pre-script this answer and I'm going to answer it just off the cuff right now (laughs) which I love perfect (laughs) um yeah so my rose right now um, I would say it has to be work. I re- I'm, mm. you know, I'm working as a therapist and I really, 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 really love the work that I do. Um, it's challenging, it's hard, it's gratifying. And I also feel like extremely grateful to have work right now during this time. Um, mm. and like, you know, something to come to every day and, and providing like holding space and supporting people. And I think that the people that I work with have, I mean, it's, it's, it's extraordinary to me, the stuff that people um, recover and heal from and challenge themselves on. And 
it's 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 phenomenal it's beautiful i love it so that's Mm. definitely my rose um i'll go with my thorn next i think my my thorn my thorn i have been struggling with this winter it's been so cold Mm -hmm. and rainy and dark and i felt really uh i spend a lot of time in bed when i'm not working so (laughs) more than i would like to admit um so there's that and my bud would be um probably like literal buds that i am seeing blooming in the neighborhood which means spring is very close and that's bringing me so much hope and making me happy because i love i grew up in florida so i love warm weather mm-hmm. um, so yeah that's my bud gorgeous i feel like i always wish i ended on bud because it like feels so much nicer than ending on the worst one <laughs> you know so i'm glad you switched it because i feel like i keep wanting to do that and then um yeah, so when you did it, I was like, oh, it does feel nice to, like, end on what we're looking forward to. Yeah, got to end with a little hope. Yeah. <laughs> and I keep saying, like, spring is coming. Like, every morning I wake up and I'm like, spring is coming. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, I hear birds. I hear a little bird song. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a little time. I should start thinking about the herb garden. <laughs> 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 um, okay, so you found the Enneagram a long time ago. Can you tell us a little bit about like what your discovery process was like and how you identified your type structure? Yeah. Um, yes, I have had a really fun <laughs> and interesting time exploring myself within the Enneagram. So I was introduced to it by a dear friend who is a type seven and also lives in Asheville. She's wonderful. Um, and at the time we, you know, we'd go through the types and like, okay, the only one that could possibly maybe fit me was type three. So I, Mm. and then I like the more that I learned about it, I was like, yes, yes, yes. And yes, like this definitely fits me. Like, this is it. Like I have a three pattern and I lived like full on, I'm a three for about probably five years. Mm-hmm. And it was not like because I didn't know the Enneagram. It was because <laughs> I think, you know, I, I think we had talked about this before, but like I was so super identified or over identified with my stress point, you know, and mm-hmm. didn't even realize like how much I had been living in that. Um, so, so, but I think that for me, like living as a three and doing the work within the three was actually really, really, really helpful and important to me. Like, I think I had to do that. There was no way in hell I would have ever have typed myself as a six. And honestly, no one else mm-hmm. in my life would either. Even people that are close to me when they like first start learning about it, they're like, which type are you? And I tell them six. So like, really? Um, mm-hmm. But And I think now I'm like starting to look like the type or speak like the type even more as I've like um, kind of done some of the work to... I don't even know how to describe Maybe like re- like... I, I did a lot. Of, I felt like I postured a lot. I postured mm-hmm. a lot in three. Um, and I think part of it, like, uh, this is a long story. Is it okay? Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> I yeah. can wrap it up. Um, but I'm going to say, there was, the, there was kind of like, I remember when I was a kid, like, I actually used to be a really, 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 really scared little kid. Like, couldn't sleep alone. Like, I would, like, sleep on my parents' floor all the time. And, um, like you know barely like I had a really hard time to sleep had a lot of nightmares which is like pretty scary and I was like very different Mm -hmm. like during the daytime versus nighttime and then eventually that faded out but I do remember in childhood like having this sense of like okay being scared is not okay like Mm -hmm. that shit is weak and vulnerable and it's scary and like we're not gonna do that 
Um, mm. And then I kind of lived that to the point where like, you know, during, especially like all through most of my twenties, I like really didn't relate to this idea of having fear except for things that felt like very socially acceptable, like, Oh, like dying or other people dying, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think I pretty effectively repressed it and suppressed it as much as I could. And I think, but the way that that, that fear energy shows up in me is kind of like, um, it's very animating. It like is very motivating. It pushes me. Mm-hmm. I would like be in this like three, like kind of manic work mode. Like I always had like two to three jobs, sometimes four jobs, like doing a bunch of different things. Like, like I would say yes to everything and just kind of like push myself into it. Kind of like a little bit more of like a counterphobic response, I think, to fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and like never really checked in with myself around like, like, what I wanted. And it, and it wasn't that I wasn't necessarily feeling, I was just ignoring a lot of my feelings, you know, and a lot of those symptoms like would manifest in my body. Like I would have like a lot of like, uh, tension and pain. And, um, I would like, you know, maybe work like 50 days in a row or something and then just like totally crash and exhaust myself. It was just like, it was a mess. Um, mm-hmm. but so eventually I learned like, and this is funny. Cause like, I was already like working in mental health for a lot of this time. So it's funny that like, I didn't know how to um, identify anxiety in myself. You know, I would just have these like wild, you know, crazy ass thoughts all the time. Like, Oh, these are just thoughts. These are just like my thoughts. Like everyone doesn't think this way. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> so like that and like, like really tuning into my body and like really learning to listen to those symbols. I mean like, Oh, like I'm actually really scared and I'm really anxious all the time. And I'm just pretending that I'm not or ignoring mm. it. I think, you you know, something you said a minute ago is like when you, you feel like you show up more as the type structure now. And do you feel like part of that is because we now have language to describe what we're kind of how these like complicated ways we're navigating so we can more effectively communicate like this is what's going on, like I'm afraid Versus I think before you were saying like you wouldn't even know that you were afraid or you were anxious. So if you don't see yourself as that, then it would be harder for other people to recognize it. Yeah, exactly. Like having the language, giving myself permission, having acceptance for it, um, being mm-hmm. able to to say that I'm scared or to say that I like need support or help. Because I, I think too, you know, when I was in more of that three state, and, and I mean, I still go there a lot to be honest, but mm-hmm. um, I didn't know how to be supported you know it's mm-hmm. like I got to figure everything out on my own so yeah so it's like people didn't see me as being scared because I wasn't asking for help I wasn't telling them that I was freaked out I would just like kind of disappear and like ruminate and like try to figure it all out and then like come back out and I would figure it out um but yeah. so yeah <laughs> yeah it is like um I think this is really interesting. This is really kind of cracking something open for me. And so I'm really absorbing what you're saying. So if I'm a little quiet, it's because I'm like processing. (laughs) But because it is like, I really, I feel really similar. Like I related very much to my stress point to one and saw myself that in that place. And then it almost felt like regressing when I really embraced my actual type structure because I had to like, really start to witness it more and pay attention to it. And so I, yeah, hearing you talk about it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Like I, and I think six is one of those numbers that I've noticed and tell me how you, as a 
teacher how you felt about this, but I've noticed a lot of people struggling to type themselves as a six or, um, you know, mistyping as other numbers pretty commonly. And my guess has been like, there's a lot of second guessing there, right? Like Mm -hmm. a lot more questioning than maybe someone else might have. Do you feel like, do you, do you notice that? Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that like, you know, six is one of those types where there are some, and it could be even like an instinct thing or a phobic versus counterphobic thing. Um, but it's one of those types where some sixes really look like some of like the caricature description that you read about. And for a lot of other sixes, it actually takes a lot of like deep, digging and uh, greater self-awareness to really see the pattern in yourself because mm-hmm. it's kind of like a little bit of like a mind fuck, you know, like mm-hmm. you get in your head and I'm like, it, the six is, uh, it, it's like, um, I'm that, but I'm also not that like, oh yes, I relate to that. So maybe mm-hmm. I am that. So, but it's a lot of like, it's thoughts, you know, and it's like, we intellectualize everything, but in kind of like a mm-hmm. scattered way and never really land on something. But that alone, like, is the, is the pattern. You know, but sometimes like, I feel like I know a lot of sixes that have identified as fours or as twos. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that can also be like a, an instinct thing, too. But um, it's it's distressing, you know, mm-hmm. like like when you're caught up in this pattern, it can it's exhausting. It's stressful. You really can like over identify with the things that are wrong with you and mm-hmm. not with the things that you're doing well or doing right. There can feel like a lot of negativity and. Um, and I think that because of, you know, and that can also sometimes feel like one, it can feel like four, right? Like I'm deficient in some way or, um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I think there's just, there's so many ways to, to mistype and like feeling fear, fear is scary. And like, no one wants to feel that. So we've developed these like strategies to not feel it. Yeah. Self doubt, the doubting is is one of the ways to move away from the fear. It keeps our our mind active and we never really land on anything because if we land on something then something's going to happen and it might be forever and it might be permanent, it might be terrible. It's like we don't want to do that. So if I can continue like ruminating and doubting and like moving around up here, then um then, you know, I can I can prevent disasters supposedly. Yeah. I think doubting is such a powerful word to hold on to. Like as someone who like let you know, if I'm trying to relate to sixes, I feel like the word doubt or the word prepared is so much better for me to foster that connection than to say like anxious or anxiety or worried or afraid. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like you're, you're telling me like why, <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh yeah, that's it. Like it is, it like, yeah, it makes sense. Like it makes logical sense to me as I'm receiving it. Like mm-hmm. no one wants to be afraid. And even you as a little girl, like you're saying to yourself, it's not okay to be afraid. It's, it's, that's weak in some way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is your process? Like what's been your process with kind of accepting your fear? Um, and, you know, we've talked about like identifying your type. Well, what has been your journey? You've, once you really solidified your type into noticing kind of those healthier, lower level behaviors. And yeah, Um, I would say for me, like one of the most powerful things has been able to accept the fear and Mm. to just be like, yeah, like 
I'm scared. Like to really get to know what fear is like in my body and to learn how to self-soothe and to cover. I mean, even now, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice that like when I'm speaking from this space, like this is more of that, like the practice that I've done of like self-soothing, co-regulating, you know, like Mm. to go down more into the gut center and just be like, yeah, I'm scared, but like, it's going to be okay. You know, like Mm. I, like I'm going to figure this out or, you know, even if things go wrong, like, like life happens, we will continue, we'll figure things out, like tragedy is going to happen, sad things will happen, good things will happen, you know, and I can't spend my life trying to control for all of it, because then Mm. I don't get to live and I don't get to make real choices. So yeah, it's like really a lot of slowing down, accepting the fear, and then and and self-soothing. Yeah. You said, um, then I don't get to make real choices. What does that mean? Yeah, I think that it's, um, when I'm, when I'm living in the fear and I'm caught up in it and I'm doing the doubting and the skepticism and being cynical and, um, like, and I'm, and I'm too scared to make a choice, right? Like I'm, I either don't make a choice or I defer to other people, right? Because mm-hmm. that fear keeps me kind of in this in-between state where I'm half in, half out on everything. And no, like, I, and when I'm in that space, I'm not connected to my heart. I'm not connected to like my gut, my instincts, what I want, what I need, like my yes and my no, mm-hmm. right? Like I kind of, I doubt all of that. And then like, what do I have? Like, I don't have any like orientation to make a choice. So then I end Mm -hmm. up deferring to, you know, waiting for the time to run out and doing some or doing something impulsively or procrastinating or leaving it up to someone else to decide um, or for the circumstances Mm -hmm. to change. And like, there's not real choice in that. Gosh, that's so powerful. I think that oftentimes we don't, we don't really recognize that's what we're doing. You know, like we think a choice is being made. So that's, that's that, but it is, it's kind of like you're releasing your role in the situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that that's a thing that um, is probably is, is one of the more painful experiences for sixes because um, I, I have, I mean, I, as a six, I like, have a lot of six friends in my life naturally um because mm-hmm. we gravitate towards each other um but i i have known so many sixes and including myself that have had doubt about a thing for years sometimes mm-hmm. even a decade you know whether it's about a job or um, a partner a lot of times it's about who we're partnered with um and or you know do I want to move do I not and just kind of stay in the in between forever Mm -hmm. and like and don't make a choice and then maybe like maybe end up doing something but still not even really being sure but it's just kind of like someone's like right should have got off the pot like are you gonna do this Mm -hmm. or not um and 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 sometimes that works you know sometimes like just having the time run out and having to do it they're like oh well now it's fine um but like geez like to go that long going back and forth yeah. and being stuck on one issue. I mean, it's usually not one, there's usually plenty, but something that feels really big, you know? And and in that space, it's like, it's all head. It's not not connected to heart, not connected to gut. And mm-hmm. um, it's a painful experience. 
Yeah. I, you know, I at home say a lot to my husband, like I cannot live in limbo. Like, and I think sometimes that creates a lot of impulsive decisions, you know, for my type structure, Mm -hmm. I will, you know, make a lot of rash choices to get out of limbo. And, and it sounds like there's almost a comfort in limbo as a six, like that we can't make a wrong choice in that space because you're not deciding. Yes, exactly. That is that totally that's that like I'm air quoting like safe space, mm-hmm. right? For that six pattern because and it's the like um it's the comfortable thing. It's not the most functional or it's not it is it's not actually comfortable, but it but it feels safe because it's familiar. Yeah. It's easier to not decide than to have to do the risky vulnerable thing and and make a big choice. Mm-hmm. What, um, you know, and I guess that, that I, I started to say, you know, what would be the negative of living in that space? Like, where do we, what do we sacrifice with that? Mm, that's a great question. Hmm. I would say for me, what I end up sacrificing, uh, when I'm in that space is, is getting to do what I really want. And to really be myself, to feel my feelings, um, I think it's a space where we stay small. Um, and yeah, like like staying small, like not really living our lives, like not not taking those risks, not taking next steps. Um, and it's a space too, when we're in that, like when you feel small, when you feel like you don't have options, when you feel stuck, like mm-hmm. if like, you like just you can feel pretty bad about yourself in that space too. So then, you know, that goes into self-concept and identity and, you know, all these other pieces. And then we start kind of doing this like looking out into the outside world and trying to put things inside and and that's temporary and doesn't work really well so yeah mm-hmm. a lot gets sacrificed in that space yeah and i i even as you're talking i keep thinking man that is so much work to not make a choice mm. <laughs> it really is <laughs> it's an incredible amount of mental gymnastics <laughs> it is yeah and it's it's interesting I mean, we all have our own ways that we're overdoing things you know and I'm like, oh, I think this is the first time it really clicked for me, one of the ways in which that would show up as a six. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I hear when you talk that is just so beautiful and I think all sixes everywhere could really benefit from it seems like the work that you've done, which is so much like embodiment and really getting into your body and be listening to your body and paying attention to what it has to share with you. Can yes. we talk about that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is like my my favorite thing because it's been so transformational for me. Um, and and I also love to, they're so, I mean, I have a lot to thank for um, my own, like the therapist that I've been working with who does somatic, mm-hmm. he's a somatic experiencing practitioner and it has been absolutely phenomenal for me. You know, we all have to kind of find our own fit. Um, but that has been a really big help in my growth. And then also, um I mean, all of this stuff with the Enneagram too, right? Like if you, if part of um, being a head type, right? Always part of the growth pattern, whether you're a five, six or seven is to, is to get out of your head mm-hmm. and into anywhere else, <laughs> like just for a bit, you know I mean? <laughs> and, and I think even just like holding that, like, I'm, I remember in the beginning being like, I 
don't know what that means. Like this does not compute. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I had to do like these like little baby steps, you know, and it's very much like doing body scans and like feeling your feet and like feeling your pulse and feeling your heart rate. And like, are you sweaty? Oh, you are like, well, maybe you're stressed. Um, Like, are you clenching your jaw? Like how, how am I, how am I holding myself? What is my breath like? And Mm -hmm. when I started doing that, it, it was kind of like kind of crazy to me because I was like, whoa, I am so stressed so much of the time. And then I go from like being really stressed and really, really active. Like, I, you know, when we're not in a pandemic, like I could be in a space where it's like, I'm working every day. I've, I'm, I'm working on the weekends. I have plans during the week, you know, just like really pushing myself. I've, I've slowed down over the last mm-hmm. couple of years, especially because I really cannot do that. Like when I'm working as a therapist, I just, there, I, I take care of myself differently in order to do this work. Um, <clears throat> but that, like that stress energy when I'm not paying attention to it is really activating for me. It kind of keeps me in the, like the sympathetic nervous system. So it's like, I want to like, go, 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 you know? And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, like, really excited. I talk really fast and move really fast. And I like have these like kind of like jerky erratic movements and, um, and I'm like, ha ha, you know, like whatever. And then I come home and I just like, like, I don't know how to, I could like, when I'm in that space, it's really hard for me to switch from activation to rest. So mm-hmm. what I usually end up doing is I'm like really, really busy. And then as soon as I stop, I'm bored. And I'm like, Ugh, I'm mm-hmm. bored. I'm like so obnoxious. I'm like a child. And I'm like, I'm blue and I don't know what to do. So I either like, I'm really busy. And then I would like have to like switch into like numbing and distracting was the way that mm-hmm. I would like kind of hit that off switch. Um, so it was like tracking that in myself was, um, it was kind of sad. It, it made, I, I did feel really sad. I felt a lot of shame about it too, mm-hmm. to realize that like that was how I was like living my life for so long. And I didn't even really know it just to see like kind of all of these um, autopilot responses. And the other thing too, was that it was scary. It was scary to feel what was going on in my body. Um, it was intense to feel what was going on, to like realize that I'm actually like, re- that I was like really uncomfortable a lot of time, like I have like, oh my gosh, my back hurts. This hurts. That hurts. Oh, like what's this over here? Da, 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 you know? <laughs> so it was just, it was just a lot. And I think like over time, like I've learned to, to soften it, but in the beginning it was a little bit shocking to notice it all and not know what to do with it. So definitely like having other people support me with the resourcing and slowing down and self-soothing and co-regulating and finding things that are nourishing and nurturing um, was really important too, because just to to get out of the head and to go into other spaces can be a lot. And okay. One, sorry. I'm like one last thing I want to say. Oh no, it's great. Is that, um, and, and I find this to be true with, um, a lot of the clients that I work with that also have, whether or not they have the six pattern, but that have this kind of like high sympathetic activation response in their nervous system to like be busy, 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 that even just like a question of like, of like slowing down, like going into the body, noticing what you feel, like a lot of times, like a big swell of emotion will come up, you know, it's just like, like tears. It's like, oh, wow. There was a lot, like all this emotion that I've been avoiding. So I think that that um, was surprising to me and, and is also really, really awesome. It's, it, it makes me feel also grateful. You know, I kind of have like this like gratitude practice with my body now where I'm like, wow, like, thank you for, for holding all of that, for me you know and like I'm gonna try not to keep it all on you like I need to engage with this more too but it's kind of amazing 
it is like our bodies are incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to ask the practical questions. Like, are we doing this once a week? Are we doing this once a day? Is this like moment to moment as feelings arise or as you start to notice your kind of getting into that frame of mind? Like, what does this look like on like a practical level? <clears throat> yeah, that's a great question. Um, for me, it is sometimes, it, it depends, right? It's a like very context specific. So if I have something that I am nervous about, such as doing something like this, which I'm also like really excited about, but I always get really nervous when I'm like doing something publicly. That's for any kind of like, I'm always, yeah, any kind of public consumption, putting content out, making a website, all of that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to make a fool of myself. It's going to be embarrassing, but you know, I'm going to screw it up. It's like, I like lose sight of like having trust in myself that like, okay, if I, if I don't get it right, like, it's okay. Like, I don't, I don't have to be perfect. Or like, if I, if I do or say something that is offensive or hurtful, like I know how to make a repair and I 125% will do what needs to be done to, to correct and to, and to make things right. So it's like, when I remember that I can trust myself in those ways and it's like, okay, I can take a risk, but like, even that, so it's like, that's like an example of like what it can look like for me. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely every day. It's sometimes multiple times a day. It sometimes can be multiple, like having to come back to it multiple times in a minute because my brain just kind of wants to like hijack everything all of the time. Mm -hmm. And it's really easy to kind of slip into um, this really busy narrative and rumination. So it's like having to kind of like pull myself back into the body, slowing down. I do a lot of like putting a hand on my chest and like one on my um, belly and just kind of like doing some breathing and um, yeah, like self-soothing me, maybe saying something that's like reassuring to myself. Um, So yeah, I mean, sometimes multiple times a day when I'm more well rested, it's not something that I have to reach for as much because I'm already, when I'm, when I'm at rest and I have more ease, um, I'm already kind of doing that. I'm like in flow with myself and taking care of those needs and listening to what's going on. So I don't have to like intentionally, you know, kind of be like, all right, what's going on in here? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a relationship. Like you were just kind of in communication constantly is what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think like you, you touched on a little bit earlier, like, it like when that moment when you get into your body, I remember like that feeling you described of like, I'm in my body now, I'm sad. And from my type structure, that's like red alert, get out of here. You know, like, oh, I'm sad, then this must be the wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. And hearing, you know, I think it's just so good that you acknowledge it ahead of time. Like, yeah, you, you might get, there might be some feelings in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, f- for for me, and I don't know if this is true for other people that have a six pattern, but for me, like when I get to feel the sad or whatever the feeling is, it's actually like, it's so nice. It's It, mm-hmm. it can feel like such a relief because when I'm not doing that, I'm like using so much energy to get away from it, you know, and it's not intentional, but like there is all this energy that's like avoiding what's inside there so when I finally go into it it's like 
oh, it's almost like this like big exhale, and, you know, but, and sometimes I like cry and I'm like, eh, you know, and I'm scared and I'm sad and, uh, you know, and, like words come mm-hmm. with it. But then after I feel so much better because up until that point, it's like a massive amount of anxiety and damage control and, you know, trying to get it right. Uh, You know, it's a lot of this like kind of mental pressure and Mm -hmm. and intense, very tense, very tight, not relational, very task oriented, pushing myself really hard. You know, yeah, it's, it's not fun. And I don't realize that I'm not having fun in that space until I have a break from it. I'm like, ah, I did it again. (laughs) Oh, that's good. I think there's so much gentleness with yourself in that too that I hear like, oh, that did it again. And we like reroute and we move on versus like feeling like something, you've done something wrong or there's a failing or. Yeah. Yeah. It's so nice to be able to have the kind of relationship with it. And that's why I like the Enneagram because it can put Mm -hmm. some distance between like this pattern, this ego pattern, this, you know, this kind of default mode, this fixation that I can get caught up in versus like, like my essence, my core self, right? Like it puts some distance Mm -hmm. between those two. So I like to be able to like look at it and be like, oh, yep, did it again. It's totally in that or like a minute right now. I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get, allow myself to get out of this for this moment. And, and it's helpful too, like to have people that are really close to you in your life that can see when you're in it and kind of help, you know, gently and maybe even with some humor kind of point it out. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely really appreciate that. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's almost like a playfulness. Like at that point, it's kind of like, oh, we're we're kind of doing this thing together. We're trying our best, and when we kind of fall into some patterns that don't work for us, like that's funny, and we can try again. And there's so much sustainability in that. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Like um, one example I'm thinking of is like with my partner and I. When I'm anxious about something and I don't realize it, I a good, like, an indicator or behavior that I can go into is, like, question asking, just, like, question, 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 question. And so he'll be like, um, are you, are you worried about this? Are you anxious? I'm like, me? No, no, I'm not anxious. I'm just like, I'm just asking you 10,000 questions because I'm not worried about it at all. So it's like, in the moment, I didn't realize that I was doing it, but as soon as he says it, like, and I can, we can kind of, like, joke about it. And, and so that's why that helps. I love that. Um, Okay, we are ready to jump into our rapid fire questions, but is there anything like lingering on your mind that you're like, I wish I got to say that and I didn't get to share it? Mm, I think though, I think one last thing that, I know I might've already said it, but just in case I didn't, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, that for others that also lead with this type that, um, you know, there's a lot of, literature that talks about like trust and sixes trusting themselves and trusting others um that for me it took me a long time to wrap my head around that because I was so much like like I literally had no idea what trust was you know I mean I had to google it like not that like I mean I understood it as a concept but I'm like this doesn't this doesn't make sense it does not compute like why would you why work on trust when there are no guarantees right? Like nothing is permanent. That's the only thing. Change will always happen. So what's the point of trust? 
Um, so if, if anyone else like leads with this type, you know, someone who does, I think that, um, like really working on that, that relationship with trust and, and making it for me, something that was helpful was like making it actionable. Like, what does it mean, um, to trust myself? What does it mean for me to trust other people? And what does it look like? And what do I need to do to get into a space where I understand what that means for me? Um, rather than for it to be something that's conceptual of like, oh, I need to trust people. Because I think a lot of sexes women like, oh, no, if anything, I trust too easy. I'm like, and I used to think that too. I'm like, oh, I trust everyone. But really, I didn't. I think that there's a difference between like giving people the benefit of the doubt and allowing them, allowing them in your lives versus like, actually, feeling that you can rely on someone, you know, mm-hmm. you can rely on yourself and that like trusting that you can support yourself and be supported by others around you. Um, so, yeah. I am so glad you took the time to say that. That's such a, like, that's so good. Um, so thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, okay. Are you ready for rapid fire? I am. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. All right. The first book that comes to mind. Uh, the Lying Life of Adults by Alana Ferrante. A favorite song? Hmm. Live With Me by Massive Attack. Mm. Something you wish people knew about you? Oh. Um, that I, that I like everyone. I genuinely just love people. I like everybody. I love that. That's <laughs> Um, dream day. What are you doing? Oh, I love this. Um, I'm waking up without an alarm, but still early enough, um, where like the sun is just coming up. It's a gorgeous day. I read for a bit in bed and have coffee and have some alone time, then have a really great breakfast at home, um, with my partner, then, probably doing something outside for part of the day and then uh coming back I am a person who like really loves like afternoon sex just like nice mm-hmm. sleepy cozy cuddly time and then like restarting the evening after so then like getting dressed up maybe having like a dinner party with friends um I love like a house dinner party or even going out somewhere but yeah a little bit of alone time partner time and friend time I'm gonna borrow that's like you nailed that <laughs> I'm just like taking notes like okay dream day afternoon sex got it (laughs) noted (laughs) all right your final meal what are you eating homemade lasagna Mm, okay and food for thought what would you want people to go home thinking about today oh um okay so since I, we've, you know, been talking a lot about like fear and anxiety. Um, I can't remember the source of this quote, but I've heard it a couple of times. Um, it's, it's something along the lines of like the, the difference between anxiety and excitement is breath. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I love that. When I like first heard that, I was like, wow, that's so true. So that's something I I've tried to work with some of like when I'm anxious about something like the energy of anxiety and excitement in the body is, is pretty similar. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I love that. That is life changing. That like, <laughs> that's, great. <laughs> that's great. That's so good. Um, yeah, that's amazing. I'm going to hold that. Yeah. And for people at home who, 
adore you as much as I do. Where can they find you online? Where can they find ways to work with you or keep in touch? Yeah. Um, so I have a website. It is ValerieWanamaker.com. I think www.ValerieWanamaker.com, um, which is my name. And on there, it's for my counseling practice, also for the work I do with the Enneagram. And uh, also, I teach with a school here in Asheville, the Enneagram School of Awakening. So if you go to that website as well, um, we do workshops and individual work. We also every year do a year-long cohort, um, a training cohort to get like 100 hours of credit towards um, if you if someone were wanting to become a certified coach or teacher or just wants to learn on their own. That's also another thing that that we do. And I really love. So those are some places to find me. Awesome. And we'll link all of that in the show notes. And the cohort for level one for 2021 is soon, right? Um, it actually will be starting in the fall. So oh, yeah, we start taking uh, wait lists and um, we do info sessions in the summer. But yeah, we will start. We kind of do it like on an academic year schedule. Okay, so we'll link to that as well in the show notes. You guys can go check that out. I know a lot of people who listen, I get questions about certifications all the time. So that'll be a great resource. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining today and just sharing so much insight and wisdom and being yourself. It was just perfect. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was great. I really appreciate it. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.